there, uh, there is an old joke that goes something like this. Uh, a man, a, a devout Christian man, was out sailing one day, and he got swept out to sea and shipwrecked on a deserted island where nobody could find him. He was able to make a living there for, for several years when finally a ship was out of its typical shipping lane and, and saw some signs of life on this island. And so they sent a rescue boat out to the island to get the man when the rescue boat arrived, the man, he was really excited. He was being, being saved. He was, he was so excited to get back to the mainland. The rescuers, however, looked around and they were a little bit confused because they, they saw on the island a lean-to and then there were two churches that the man had obviously built there. And they said, so it's just you. And the man said, yes, it, it's just me. And they said, well, then why are there two churches? And he said, well, this one, and he pointed to one of them, that's the church I go to. And then he pointed to the other one, and he said, that's the church I won't go to. Some of you are laughing. Some of you are like, oh my. Some of you are just moaning, which is okay. That's what my kids do to my jokes. Right? Under any joke is a truth. Why can't we find unity as the church of Jesus? Or maybe a better way to ask the question is, where can we find unity as the church of Jesus? At the end of his life, before he was arrested, Jesus prayed. The Gospel of John captures parts of this prayer and says that, that part of this prayer of Jesus was for us. Jesus prays for those who would come to believe because of the witness of his first disciples. In John 17, this is what Jesus says. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be one as we are one. I in them and you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus prayed that we might experience unity. And not just unity so that we would be happy. There's a purpose Jesus prays for this unity. He prays that the church might experience unity so that others would see the love of Jesus in the church and come to know that love as well. So what is this unity? That is what we're going to explore this month at Clay Church. Our sermon series is called United, and we're going to focus on what brings us together as followers of Jesus. We're going to search what Jesus says and what the Bible says and what this unity might look like, what it could be like, what brings us together in the love of Jesus. So today, I need a couple of volunteers and you're in luck. I'm not going to call on anybody. I asked a couple people in advance to come up here. I'm going to invite them to come on up. And as they're coming up, would you just pray with me? Holy God, may these words and may your words in Scripture just open us up this morning to learn, to grow, to deepen our relationship with Jesus and with each other. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So I've invited a couple of brave volunteers this morning to, to come up. I'm going to invite, invite the two of you to sit right up here with me. Thank you for saying yes.
to, uh, to just answer a couple questions as we start this series. I, I thought it would, would be good, and I think it's going to help us as we think about our, our scripture today. The first question that I, that I have for the two of you is, what does it look like, what does a gathering or a table look like when you know that you are not welcome? Somebody want to go first? Are you ready? All right. Can you, uh, why don't we start, uh, introduce yourself and, uh, and tell us a little bit about you. Tell everybody your name. <laughs> it's like, whoa, you didn't say I had to do that. Tell everybody your name and where you go to school. How about that? Uh. <laughs> no? Okay. All right. My name is Nimby Cushing. I don't go to school. So. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, I'm here uh, since 1981, a uh -huh. member of this church, and... I don't know anything else to say about me, except I enjoy um, certain volunteer activities in the community. Um, I attend a lot of meetings that mm -hmm. maybe I wish I hadn't said. Yes, <laughs> yes too. Oh, don't but, say that out loud. Oh, but yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh, not not church meetings. Okay, good, good. Community good. forums. <laughs> yeah, like yeah. So, what is uh, for you? What does it look like when you are not welcome in a gathering or at a table? So I didn't know until I walked in the door and pastor said, would you do this? And I said, sure. Uh -huh. <laughs> um, and initially I thought about a table because we've got a table set out there uh -huh. for dinner, but it's not always that kind of table. I met personally at a lot of tables for meetings where I might not be welcome. Uh -huh. And so because the message I'm bringing is not the popular one always. Mm. And so that looks like um, averting eyes, um, a hesitation, nobody wants to speak first. Um, there's a sense of a heaviness um, that's there, um, a coolness that uh, you wish maybe you hadn't been at that table at uh -huh. that moment. Uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah, excellent. Are you ready? You want to answer that one? You can do it. What, is it. what does it look like when you're not welcome at a table or in a gathering? Like kind of awkward stares. Yeah. Yeah. How about the flip side of that? What does it look like when you are welcome or when you know you're welcome or accepted? Getting greeted by the people there. Yeah. Yeah, people who say hello, who... Who, uh, who act like they want you there, right? Yeah. Yeah, anything else? That's great. Nimby, how about for you? What, what, what does it look like it's when you very, know you're welcome? It's very different because there's already a relationship, mm -hmm. usually. Mm -hmm. There's a warmth that's there. There's a trust that's been established. Uh, there's a, a friendship, mm -hmm. uh, camaraderie. I just had that this weekend family in St. Louis that I hadn't seen for a couple of years, but they're family, so you know the, the feelings that you get, the warmth that's been established, the relationship that's been there over time. It's a completely different feeling. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's, uh, let's give God thanks for both of our, our volunteers this morning. Thank you both. This conversation 
sets us up to, I think, think about a story today from Luke's gospel as we think about this question of what it looks like to be united. And we should start here. Here's something you should know if you don't already. Jesus loved to eat. Now, some of you know this already. Most paintings of Jesus show him looking really trim and fit. And I suppose that's because he walked everywhere he went. So he probably was trim and fit. But, but we should know, like over and over again, when you read the stories of the Bible, you realize that Jesus is gathering with people and sharing meals together. I just have this picture. I like to think that maybe Jesus was like one of the original foodies before we named what a foodie was. Like having dinner with everybody, checking out what the best foods were in the, in the area where he was. So early in Jesus' ministry, in chapter 5 of, uh, of Luke's gospel, Jesus is sitting down at a meal, and he gets called out by the teachers of the law for eating with tax collectors and sinners. This is one of, the, one of the first meals that the Gospel of Luke tells us about. He's been invited to a dinner with Levi. Levi was a tax collector. And Levi put together probably a group of his friends, other, other tax collectors, other people he knew, some friends, some teachers of the law. They come up to the followers of Jesus, to his disciples, and they're like, like why does Jesus dine with those people? They're ruining his social standing. We don't dine with those kinds of people. And Jesus overhears them, and he says, I haven't come out, I haven't come to hang out with people who consider themselves righteous. I've come to hang out with people who are hungry for another way of life, who might turn from hurtful ways to, to living in ways of goodness and mercy. Then later in his ministry, Jesus is having a meal at the house of the, of the Pharisees. You see, Jesus ate with everyone. He ate with tax collectors and sinners, and he ate with teachers of the law, and he ate with Pharisees. There, there wasn't anybody that, that Jesus didn't eat with. And he watches how people are behaving at this, at this meal, at this dinner party, labeling some people as important and some people as unimportant and dividing up by social standing, leaving off the guest list, anyone not liked or, or not welcome, acceptable. And after that meal, he takes an opportunity and he shares with them. He tells them first that it would be better to be humble to think of yourself as lower social standing than to prop yourself up as though you belong to one group and, and not another group. And then he says this, starting at Luke 14, verse 12. Then Jesus said to his host, when you give a luncheon or dinner, do not invite your friends, your brothers or sisters, your relatives or your rich neighbors. If you do, they may invite you back and so you will be repaid. But when you give a banquet, invite the poor, the crippled, the lame, the blind, and you will be blessed. Although they cannot repay you, you will be repaid at the resurrection of the righteous. And Jesus isn't finished sharing. He tells them another story, a, a parable. 
This one is about what the kingdom of heaven will be like. In fact, somebody in Luke's gospel asks him, like, oh, so, so you're talking about the kingdom of heaven. And, and so Jesus shares this parable, this, this story. And just a quick aside here. Um, the, word, the word used for, like, dinner party um, or banquet, when you see it in the Bible, it's, it's not like just a, a formal dinner where we sit down and use the right fork here. Uh, we need to think about like a, a dinner gathering with music and entertainment. Um, it's a party, which is kind of fun to think about, right? The kingdom of heaven is like a party with great food. I mean, isn't that kind of a, a great way to think about it? Anyway, Jesus tells this story, and it, it's about a, a man, and, and he, he invites some people he knows, some probably rich and connected people to his dinner party, because that's how you threw a dinner party at the time. But they all have reasons not to come. They, probably they wanted the party to have the guest list they would want, and they didn't want to dine with other people, or, or they just had other more important things to do. They all have a reason not to come to this man's party. So the man sends out his servant, and he says to his servant to bring in the lame and the poor and the crippled and the, and the lame and when there is still more room at the party, he sends his servant out again, and he says, invite in anybody who is hungry. Then Jesus says this, and now this is a, a Pastor Brian paraphrase, but he says, those who were invited to my party but wanted it to look like they wanted it to look like, or decided they had more important things to do, or refused to dine with people that they thought unworthy or unacceptable or that they didn't like, they're not going to get to come to the party at all. You see, the invitation to God's party, it isn't up to us. The list, it's not ours to make, it's not ours to enforce. The list is God's. And the coolest thing is that we get to share the invitations. God gives us the invitation to this table, to this, to this, to this party, to this great banquet, and says, go out and, and share the invitations. We get to go out and invite people to come to the table. And Jesus said, just, don't just go to the people you know. Go to the people who are hurting and the people who feel unwelcome and the people who feel unaccepted and offer them the invitation to this table. Because it, this invitation, it gets even better. Think about this. When 5,000 people were fed, in the story of, you know, Jesus encourages the disciples to bring him whatever they've got and they, they collect whatever they've got and he serves 5,000 people. What did the people have to do to qualify for the food that Jesus was offering? Nothing. Right? He fed everybody. When Jesus dined with people, when he, when he dined with tax collectors and Pharisees and, and all those different people, what was required to be able to get an invitation to a table with Jesus? Right? Nothing. He ate with Pharisees and sinners and tax collectors and teachers of the law and, and men and women. Everybody. At the final meal with his disciples. 
Did the disciples, did they have to have it all figured out to be there with him? Was there some test that they had to pass to be there with Jesus at that final meal? And the answer is far from it. Judas was going to betray Jesus, but Jesus served and took care of him at that table. Peter was going to deny Jesus three times, but Jesus served and took care of him at that table. Most of the rest of the disciples were going to hide instead of living in faith as Jesus taught them. But Jesus still served and welcomed them at that table. All are welcome at the table of Jesus. All are welcome at God's party. In fact, Jesus teaches that the invitations to that party need to explicitly and intentionally go out to those who don't feel welcome, to those who feel like they don't have a place at that table. One of the ways to think about this table is that it's one big table. It's, it, it belongs to Jesus. How many of you, when you were a kid at holiday gatherings, or maybe even now, how many of you have a kid's table and an adult table at holiday gatherings? Anybody have a kid's table and an adult table at holiday gatherings? Like, it just makes it easier. There is no kid's table and adult table at Jesus' gathering. For those of you who graduated from the kid's table to the adult table, you know that the kid's table is more fun anyway. So, right? There is no kid's table and adult table. There isn't a, a sinner's table and a, and a saint's table. It's one table, and everybody, everybody is invited to come. We say often that the, the saving love of Jesus is, is good news, gospel. It means good news. The saving love of Jesus is good news. We encounter this love at the table with Jesus, which means it wouldn't be good news to find out that, well, yeah, you can maybe come in, but you have to sit at a different table. Like, that wouldn't be good news. It wouldn't be good news to come to this table only to find out that some are welcome and some are not welcome. Some of you may know Toni Morrison, it's a terrific author. I think, uh, I think it's in her book, Beloved, where she writes, love is or it ain't. Thin love ain't love at all. The table of Jesus is where we encounter love as thick as can be. Love that embraces everyone. Sometimes when I have talked or preached about unity in the church or this open invitation, I've joked about, you know, how the table is a place where Michigan fans and Notre Dame fans and Ohio State fans will all gather together. But let's not joke today. Let's speak the truth. There are no labels at God's table. No matter your age or your gender or your sexual orientation or your status or your situation or your regrets or your mistakes, you are welcome at this table. 
when we come to this table, we drop Democrat and we drop Republican and we drop liberal and we drop conservative and we look across the table and we see a child of God. There are no labels at the table of Jesus except one. You are loved as a child of God. My hunch is the only people that will not find their way to the table, the table of Jesus, are those who won't accept others as a child of God, who won't love them as Jesus loves. And it's not because they're not invited, but because they'll choose not to come. At God's party, at the table of Jesus, we are united by an inclusive invitation that comes from Jesus. At this table, we are united because we believe together that everyone belongs to Christ. Because we believe together everyone is welcome here. Because we believe together everyone is deserving of the forgiveness of Christ. Because we believe together everyone is deserving of the love of God. I wish I didn't have to say this, but as we think about this invitation of Jesus in these scriptures today... I think we have to say, if you haven't felt welcomed at this table before, for any reason, on behalf of God's people, I'm sorry. We are sorry. I wish it weren't true, but as, as people, as human beings, we too have made mistakes as, as the church, as church people. And, and so we seek forgiveness for the times when we have not, as our volunteers talked about today, welcomed everybody with open arms and that look that says you are loved here. And I hope that if you have felt that way in the past, you'll hear the invitation today. You are welcome here. You are loved. And that you'll hear an invitation when we, the church, have messed that up, that you'll tell us. You'll invite us to look at ourselves so that we are representing Jesus. And to those who have experienced the love of God at this table, hear the invitation today in Luke's gospel to extend that invitation. Like it is a blessing and a joy. We should be excited about the fact that we, we get to extend the invitation to this table, to, to those who haven't received it, to those who have been in hurt when the church hasn't been welcoming, to those to those who believe there are hoops or, or requirements to, to be here, we get to say, no, come on in. I remember years ago, I was in college, and I was invited to the chancellor's house for a dinner. And the invitation was a, a letter to a leadership group, and the invitation said um, to be comfortable. And so I am a college student. I wore jeans and like whatever sweatshirt I had on that day and came to dinner and all the other students had either sport coats and ties or dresses on and the chancellor was also dressed in a suit his wife was dressed down a little bit talk about not feeling welcome at a gathering 
the chancellor's wife, and it's just odd for me, um, uh, the chancellor was Martin Jiske. Some of you may know him because he ended up going to Purdue. Um, I was at Missouri at the time. The chancellor's wife pulled me aside before we started dinner and said, I just want you to know you're the only one who read the invitation correctly, (laughs) including my husband. Uh, the truth was, he had come from other meetings, so he just didn't have time to, to change clothes. Their intention was for it to be informal, but everybody thought they had to dress up. I wonder about that at the church sometime. Like, people look from the outside and they think, I have to have it right, I have to have some kind of understanding of faith, I have to dress up to fit in with those people. What message might we send? How might we offer this incredible invitation that says, come as you are, you're going to be loved. And it is an incredible party with a whole lot of joy. In a few moments, we're going to celebrate at this table, at Christ's table. And you're going to hear me say that our our United Methodist table is an open table. It's open to all who, who seek to to know this love of Jesus, who are are willing to repent of their sin, which just means to to turn their life toward a better way, who who seek to live in peace with one another. You see, at this table, we're united, not because we have it all together, not because we have it all figured out, not because we all believe exactly the same things. We're united at this table because Christ has invited us to come just as we are. So as we prepare today, I I just want to share this invitation. It comes from the Iona community. It's an ecumenical community in Europe that draws people together in worship. Come not because you are strong, but because you are weak. Come not because of any goodness of your own, but because you need mercy and help. Come because you love the Lord a little and you would like to love even more. Come because Jesus loves you and gave himself for you. We are here because Jesus has called us. Strangers and Friends, locals and visitors, believers and doubters, the certain and the curious. It's always a mixed company that Jesus gathers and invites to his table where in bread and cup he meets us. And through him, we who are different are joined to one another. So come, not because you understand, but because you are understood. Come, not because of how you feel, but because God has food for you. Come, not because you deserve a place, but because Jesus invites you just as you are.